It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Thursday edition of East Coast Bias right here on the Ringer Gambling Show. Of course, for our friends over at FanDuel TV, triple threat, ready to rock. Week five in the NFL, we got to digest and figure out, at least for me, what went wrong in week four and maybe pick up the pieces a little bit. Got to get your boy in order. Let's welcome in Joe House, Raheem Palmer, yours truly, J.J. Jansky-Stremski, Fellas, excited to break down week five. Got a lot of bets I've already made, but we're going to start with some NBA because we got this news that broke down on our Sunday Ringer Wise Guys show. I had a feeling we'd get an opportunity to get a little bit more in detail, and let's do it here on East Coast Bias. That, of course, is Drew Holiday is no longer a Milwaukee Buck. He spent maybe a hot second layover in Portland And now he's a Boston Celtic. He's on his way to the Celtics. The Celtics now with Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis have drastically changed the feel and look of their team. Uh, A team that a year ago, yes, won their fair share of regular season games. But when it mattered most, they spit the bit. They lose to the Miami Heat. They yuck up a game seven. No history, no magic in the new Boston Garden. And now I think we're in for a showdown maybe with the Bucs and the Celtics later on this spring. But House, Drew Holiday, big boy, big time move. I love it from a Celtics perspective. Checks a lot of boxes, makes that team, I think, far more formidable. Yeah, the biggest thing for, for Boston, there's two keys because there's no arguing that they are better in terms of the talent across the board. This iteration of Boston, from my perspective, is better than last year's iteration. The two key questions are, what are they going to do about rebounding? How are they going to defend teams in the front court? You just can't ask for any more out of Al Horford. I think they got the absolute max. You can't really count on the zinger, Christoph Porzingis, to be playing banger minutes. He is too much of a finesse kind of guy. Take it from me. I enjoyed watching him quite a bit last year here in Washington. So they need a 
a body and they have a bunch of names and a bunch of guys that, that, that could fill that role. But that's an open question. The other open question is Joe Missoula did not exactly cover himself in glory last year. There was puzzling rotations, puzzling chemistry. Now the Celtics did the thing that everybody observed they needed to do, which is bring in a bunch of bench help. And they have a bunch of guys, you know, Sam Cassell leading the charge, but a bunch of guys with experience now in place to help Joe Mass. The, the, the regular season win total for Boston is 54 and a half. They won 57 last year. I'm not ready to weigh in yet on that, but those are the big moving pieces to me, Dream. What do you think? The biggest thing with the Boston Celtics is their top line talent is the best in the league. You have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown, you have Drew Holiday, um, you have Chris Strass Porzingis. But as you mentioned, House, the biggest thing is that Chris Strapps can't stay healthy and Al Horford is near the end of his reign as a top tier big. So they're going to need bigs. And then also the rest of that rotation has a ton of question marks. Who off the bench is going to step up? Peyton Pritchard, can he step up? Sam Hauser, can he step up? You mentioned Joe Missoula. We all know Bill did not like Joe Missoula last year, but I think there's other concerns. When you look at this offense in the postseason, what has the Boston Celtics always struggled with in crunch time? It's always been their crunch time offense. And while Drew Holiday adds another point of attack defender, we all know Drew Holiday in the postseason offensively, he hasn't been great. 47% 47% true shooting percentage. So somebody's going to have to step up and be a leader. Joe Mazzula is going to have to step up as a coach to make the right in-game decisions. And then at some point in time, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to have to prove that they're worth those max contracts. You nailed to me, Raheem, two of the most important elements with the Boston Celtics. Number one is the head coach, who last year did anything but as far as inspire confidence. I thought it was pathetic the entire season. He was even worse in the postseason. I guess I give him credit for the fact that his team rallied against the Miami Heat the way that they did. They didn't just fold up shop and end their season after a nightmarish game three. If you want to give Joe Missoula credit for that, so be it. They also go and lose a game seven by a zillion points and were non-competitive in the game. There's also the element of Tatum and Brown. We know they've put up big regular seasons. We know both individually have had big moments in the postseason. There's no no taking away from that. We've seen Jason Tatum shine in elimination games. We've seen him shine against some of the best players the NBA has to offer, but he hasn't gotten to the top of the mountain. The Celtics, as a group, have not gotten to the top of the mountain. Interestingly enough, you look at the odds as we sit here getting ready for the start of the NBA season. The Celtics and the Bucks, who arguably made the two biggest splashes this offseason, the Bucks going and getting Dame Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers, then the direct correlation of Drew Holiday leaving Milwaukee, now rerouting to Boston. You got both of these teams as co-favorites to win the NBA title. As of right now, and a lot could change between now and the start of the year, now midway through the year, postseason, on and on we go. I'll ask you this first, Raheem. Who do you like more as both sit here at plus 380 on FanDuel to win the NBA title? You hire on the Celtics or the Bucs? This is a really tough one. I'm going to go with the Bucs. 
just because I, I just think that top line talent of Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's scary. Like, how do you stop that Dame and, and Giannis pick and roll? I don't know how you stop it. And right now, I look at Jalen Brown. You paid that guy two, three hundred million dollars. He can't even dribble with his left hand. <laughs> and he's one of the stars of that team. You look at Jason Tatum. I love Jason Tatum to death. He has the potential to be one of the best players in the NBA, if not the best. What does he do in the, in when it matters? I know he dropped that 50-point game against the Sixers, but you regularly see him put up tour dates for shooting numbers. So I'm going to go with Giannis and Dane and trust that they're going to be able to get it done. JJ, the correct answer is neither. The winner <laughs> of the NBA Finals, the champion is coming out of the West. The West is the conference that has the guys with the proven chops that have been there uh, in, in you know, year in, year out. Lots of titles, lots of rings. It's all in the West. I'm not putting either Milwaukee or Boston. Not one of those two teams for sure. Barring, you know, any unforeseen injury, we're not going on wood because we don't want any injuries to be the thing that derails those teams. No problem with trying to choose between one of those teams to win the East, but the odds for them, the implied probability of, of them as equal co-favorites to win the title before a game's been played, that's crazy talk to me. I prefer Denver at plus 550. I prefer the Lakers at plus 1300. I mean, we're going to have the opportunity when we get in and start doing some of our forecasting here, JJ and Dream, breaking down each conference to really put a fine eye on how teams improved in the offseason. We were, along the way, very complimentary of what the Lakers have done. I think that there is a, a, a great case to be made for a couple teams out of the West um, ahead of both of these East East teams um, to take down the NBA Finals this coming year. All right, a couple of things there. One, totally get your logic with the Nuggets. They're the defending champs. They got Jokic. He's the best player in the world at this particular point in time. And listen, they're a well-oiled machine. Even with one departure in the offseason, I still think Denver, you guys bet it. I know Raheem did right after the season ended. I know house-tailed. I know high-tailed. Good number, good value on the reigning champs to maybe go and make it back-to-back. Lakers on bullish on. I've said this. As long as they can keep those two big guys healthy, they added some fabulous supporting players to their team that really took them to another level second half of the year. And we really cashed in throughout the postseason run. I remember I was all over the Lakers in round one was all over the Lakers in round two. I was wise enough to fade the Lakers in round three. So I can easily be enticed, House, to get on board with the Lakers, maybe as a parting gift for LeBron at some point in time to get one more NBA title. But it did ask you a question, and it was one of the two. I didn't want to throw the West teams in there because that was where I was going next. Out of those two teams, though, I'm siding with my guy Dream on this. I like the Bucs more. You want to know why? They got the best player. I'm going with Giannis any day of the week. Now he's got another guy that can take up that scoring mantle. It doesn't, you don't have to feel like the weight of the world is on Giannis's shoulders to go and do his thing. And Dream, having that perimeter threat, that's something Giannis has been waiting for for a long, long time. He's never had it. I always tell people, imagine if Shaq had to play like the first seven years of his career with Scott Skiles instead of Penny Hardaway. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you finally give this guy a, a, a closer. Like, at the end of the day, bigs are great. 
But you need that guard who can close, who can shoot from the perimeter, who can distribute. He finally has one. And I think this is the Bucks' year to, to you know, go back to the NBA Finals and really prove that they have some guys over there. And I'll, something to consider, House. Something to consider. This guy won a title without Damian Lillard. You know, Raheem's making that point, and it's all well and good. You know, Penny Hardaway, Scott Skiles. Giannis already won with not a great supporting cast. Magnificent. I'll never say one bad thing about the, the freak. I love him to death. I will just take the contrarian position from you two guys. We have no idea what kind of head coach Adrian Griffin's going to be. They did bring in Terry Stotts. Maybe he's the Dame Whisperer. Maybe he'll be quietly on the bench, you know, navigating. But Boston, talent-wise, plus the fact that maybe we... we Now, look, we, we, we're, we're all, you know, saying sideways things about Joe Mass. They did win 57 games last year in the regular season, and it should have been over 60. That's really our complaint. With the talent they had last year, they lost a bunch of games inexplicably, you know, down the stretch that they didn't have any business losing. So I'll I'll go ahead and just take the contrary in position. I'll take the coach that has one year under his belt over the rookie coach who's got a lot of pressure on him to produce with, with this uh this Ferrari of an offense. Well, boys, we will have our East Coast, West Coast breakdowns of the NBA leading into the start of the regular season. We'll do the Eastern Conference next week. We'll do the Western Conference in a couple of weeks. We'll have some totals. We'll have some division picks. Maybe there's a pick outside of Milwaukee and Boston, potentially, to go and get back to the NBA Finals. That's all coming up over the next two weeks, but we had to start with a little NBA the big trade and what it means now for the Boston Celtics moving forward. When we come back, we look ahead to week five in the NFL. We'll try to figure out what we learned in week four. Um, is there value potentially in taking a team that has looked like absolute garbage for the first four weeks of the year and why I might be taking them in week five? I have them circled. We'll get the guys' thoughts on that. All that more. East Coast Bias Boys coming right back. Get ready to start the NFL week off right, because right now all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay for Thursday night football. Just place a three-leg same-game parlay on this week's game between the Commanders and the Chicago Bears, and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. So I'm holding my nose with this one. I don't feel great about it. I know our buddy House, not happy with me, but he understands where I'm going. I'm taking the Bears. This is just way too many points. I know they're on four. I think they find a way, though, to keep this game close. You can build your own SGP or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. And FanDuel is now live in Kentucky. Download the app now and take advantage of their great special offers, boosts, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers so you don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat same-game parlay on America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner, of the NFL. Must be 21 plus in present in select states. Refund issued is non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, fellas, now that the dust has settled and week four is in the rear view mirror and we're getting closer to week five, how's quickly your biggest Take away what you learned after watching these games in week four. If there's like a uh, overarching storyline narrative that you're taking going into week five, what would it be? 
I think we're getting a real good indication of separating the contenders from the pretenders. What what Dallas did in terms of its bounce back against the Patriots, that gave me a reassurance that Dallas belongs in that tier. San Francisco just keeps rolling along, handling their business. The Bills really showed us something, right? That was an absolute masterclass. I'm sorry, JJ, against your Dolphins. The Chiefs keep winning in effective, smart ways. So to to me, we're starting to get that separation between the teams that that we think really have a chance at winning a Super Bowl and some of these teams where we thought, oh, is this an upstart? You know, we've heard names like like the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers. I will say this: uh, it'll be a fun discussion as these next few weeks go along. Again, knocking on wood for continued good health. Where do the Detroit Lions belong? Because the Detroit Lions on both sides of the football, Terrific in terms team. of in the trenches is the thing that's really catching my attention, but it's a fun conversation. Raheem, what you learn? I think the biggest thing I learned, and I, I said this other day, is that these old school coaches, the time has passed them by. Bill Belichick clearly isn't the coach that he was before when he had Tom Brady. You look at Mike Tomlin. You look at Dennis Island. These guys are kicking field goals down multiple scores in the fourth quarter. I said this before, when it comes to the commanders, Riverboat Ryan, not going for two. There's a new age in, in terms of coaching and making decisions. And if you haven't learned to adapt, just like coaches in the NBA learn to adapt to three-point shooting, your time is passing you by. So that's the biggest thing that I'm learning. And I, I said it on Monday, and I got to say it again. I, I mean, it is what it is. Brandon Staley, a lot of people criticize him, but I think he's at the forefront of decision-making in terms of NFL coaching. And I think you you got to be bold to win in this league now. I think you're absolutely right on that. And New England was going to lose the game by a zillion points anyway. That's as cowardly as it gets inside the five-yard line kicking a field goal there in that particular spot. So I totally am on board with that narrative for him. And listen, what I learned in week four, and it's going to break my heart, and I'm super high on the Dolphins. I think they're going to win a lot of games. Uh, assuming Tua, Tyreek, health, of course, which is the major overarching question mark. The AFC East is Buffalo's division to lose until I see otherwise. They've won it the last three years. They just smoked Miami. The Bills are the team to beat in the AFC East, and they proved that in week four with that thrashing they gave the Miami Dolphins. Now, fellas, that leads me to week five. And the Buffalo Bills, to me, are an interesting sort of test, Raheem, because... They go to London now. They're coming off a great win, their best win of the season, a flex game where they now have kind of catapulted. You know how it works in the NFL where, like, there's the, the hot, sexy team. It was Cowboys. They go lose to Arizona. Then it's Miami. They go lose to Buffalo. Well, now everybody's on the Bills. The Bills, oh, they look great. Josh Allen looks great. That, blah, 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 blah. They got Jacksonville. And we've been hard on the Jaguars first four weeks of the year. They smoked Atlanta last week. They have gotten the opportunity to enjoy London. They're sipping their, their coffees. I saw Trevor Lawrence posting out on Instagram. I'm surprised we haven't seen Doug Peterson and the crew walking across Abbey Road. Maybe Doug Peterson does it without the shoes on like I would do. Be that as it may, they're in London. There's no adjustment for them. They've been there. They're comfortable. The whole deal. Buffalo flying in off a massive win. I think five and a half is way too many points in this spot. I think this is a terrible spot for Buffalo. I think it is a great spot for Jacksonville. 
Where do you stand? The London game, Raheem. Jags, Bills. I'm grabbing those points. So what makes this really difficult is that this is an unprecedented situation. We have no idea how that's going to impact the Jaguars positively or negatively. We just don't know. I mean, they could go over there and they could be partying in London this entire week, or they can go over there and be well-rested, um, prepare for this game while the Bills have to fly over. Now, when I look at the game itself, the Jaguars are clearly an upgrade defensively for Miami. 11th in defensive DVOA. Miami is 29th in defensive DVOA. However, you look at the Jaguars, I know they won last week against the Atlanta Falcons, but the Buffalo Bills are not Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. We know that they have one of the best offenses in the league. So I think this could be a, a high-scoring game. Now, as far as the side, I'm struggling with it because at this number, I think five and a half. Are you telling me that the Jaguars are five and a half points within this Bills team on a neutral field? I'm not necessarily buying it. I think this this number is a little bit short. The problem is the Bills secondary is banged up. Tredavious White, he's out for the season. Jordan Poyer, he's out for this matchup. So you got a banged up Bills secondary going up against the Jaguars team, which should be able to take advantage of it with Trevor Lawrence. So I don't really want to play a side. I would lean towards the Bills, but I think I would also lean towards the over. So I'm going to pick up on Dream's point here on this uh, personnel considerations. One thing quietly worth mentioning as well is the return of left tackle Cam Robinson to the Jaguars uh, front line. And I have a hard time handicapping this as well. If I think of it in terms of this is functionally a, 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 home game for Jacksonville, which I think is is not a crazy way of thinking about it, then this number seems fine to me. Um, if, if In the pools where I have to take a side, I'm taking Jacksonville in in this spot. It's just too hard of a, of a, a challenge for the Bills. I think the Bills will win, but I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with the number. I do like the idea of waking up and seeing a bunch of points scored, and it'd be really good for wise guys for us to be sitting together Sunday morning watching these teams go back and forth. We could just, you know, yell at each other over the 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 live wire. It'd be very exciting. Well, hopefully, my second London bet goes a lot better than my first London bet because I had the Atlanta Falcons last week, and that was an absolute disaster. And that's one I wanted back about 10 minutes into the game. So Raheem telling you're going to get a lot of points. I would grab that five and a half with the Jaguars house Ravens and Steelers for years. And I don't know if you guys feel this way. It'd be one of those games where I'd look at the line and I'd say immediately, I don't care who the team is. I'm taking the points. That's it. I'm taking the points. It's going to be a three point game. It's going to be close. And I'm taking the points. Well, here we are. The Steelers, you thought it was going to be Trubisky at quarterback. As we sit here on Thursday, Pickett kind of making it clear, hey, I'm going to be able to play. I'm going to be able to give it a go. Baltimore looked super impressive last week. Did so against the backup quarterback. So how much stock do you want to put in that? I don't know. I took charge on Jacksonville and Buffalo. I'm going to defer here, House, on the Ravens and the Steelers. Are you following the old adage here of taking the points or are you just very skeptical after the Steelers laid an egg in Houston and you have no interest in getting involved with Pittsburgh? Well, the, the numbers are insane 
in favor of the Steelers as a home dog in a division game off of a loss. They're insane on Mike Tomlin, you know, covering at, at this stage of the season. They're insane when Tomlin and Harbaugh match up against each other. The underdog is like, look at this number, 22-5-3 and three against the spread. Whichever team is the dog, they cover. 22-5-3 and three against the spread between uh, Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh. Having said all that, I I just there's no world in which I want to live with the idea of having any exposure whatsoever to Matt Canada. And Warren Sharp has been extremely dramatic about this. He's pumping out all the content Sharp is about this Matt Canada Pittsburgh offense and and Steelers Nation is literally losing its mind over what this offense is is putting together. By contradistinction, Todd Munkin arrives in Baltimore and voila, Baltimore goes from the 30th ranked red zone efficiency offense to number one in the NFL because it helps to have a healthy Lamar Jackson and it helps to let Lamar cook a little bit. I think what I'm going to do here, please don't call it a cop-out. I'm just playing the under. It's the lowest total on the board. It's 38 and a half. When these two teams go up against each other, the under, uh, you know, happens a, a, a whole bunch. They don't even get to 30 points two out of the last three times. The Ravens have gone under in 14 of their last 19 games. We can't see Pittsburgh getting the double-digit points in two of its uh, four games. And in this in this particular matchup, uh, they don't get to, to 38 and a half very often. So I'm going to play the under. Okay, so is it possible that just this Stillers team just stinks? I know everybody's looking at the spot. I know everybody's looking at the past. And we know that the, the best indicator of the future is the past. And obviously looking at the past, you look at their last five or so matchups, the margins were three, two, three, one, and five. However, I mean, this Stillers team, they just played a Texas team who didn't have any of their offensive linemen. And they got lit up. So what makes that different here against this this Ravens team with Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin? And you could argue that Lamar Jackson's probably playing the best football of his career. So a lot of people are looking at this spot and just saying you take the underdog blindly. But there's a number of factors you got to look at. Is Kenny Pickett playing? Kenny Pickett, I know he suffered a major injury last week, but if he plays this week, you can have a very similar situation as Derek Carr last week where he's out there and he's a shell of himself. Now, I do think if Mitchell Trubisky plays, the Steelers are in a better position because we know that Kenny Pickett has been horrible this year. I mean, this is a guy who has struggled against the Blitz, and I think Trubisky might actually be an upgrade here. So I think you want to wait to see who's actually playing in this game. If Pickett is playing, I may find myself on the Ravens. Uh, I'm on the Ravens. That's the way I like this game. And I kind of set it up that way, guys, because I wanted to see if you were going to be on board with a lot of these historical trends. I don't see it with Steelers. I, I don't. I, I think they get decimated on the offensive line. I think their defense is average at best. And Baltimore, to me, has the recipe to go in there and do just enough offensively and just destroy that Pittsburgh offensive line. And I mean absolutely destroy them. And I also think... The line in this game is rather telling because I think everybody knows how tight these games are between the Ravens and the Steelers, which means the line should be three. Usually, if 
The Baltimore Ravens are a little bit better. It's three, maybe max three and a half. The fact that there are fours in the market, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but that basically tells me all I need to know for Ravens and Steelers. And we'll see if it finds its way onto our Ringer Wise Guys bingo card on Sunday. We'll see. Maybe we should just be fading the Steelers until Matt Canada gets fired. Like, that might be the plan. But you know what? A lot of people, Raheem, thought he was going to get fired in the offseason, and Tomlin was stubborn. He stuck with him. So I, I don't know if you're getting that change mid-year. I'm not so sure about that. But be that as it may, I'm betting this game, I'm taking a favorite, and I'm going against a lot of trends and a lot of old rules over the years. I just think Baltimore is that much better than Pittsburgh. All right, guys, we come back. Game of the week. Could argue it's one of the games of the year in the NFL, and it's vintage, and it's old school, and I think... Oh, my goodness. Deion Sanders. I think Michael Irvin. I think Troy Aikman. I think Steve Young. I think Dwight Clark. We could go on and on and on. Cowboys. Niners. Cowboys live. Three and a half point underdogs. And a team that I can't believe I'm going to bet coming up as well right after this. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. All right, guys, we're skipping ahead a little bit here because we'll get back to the 4 o'clock games. I'm just too excited to talk about the Niners and the Cowboys. I'm just too fired up about it. Uh, These teams are tremendous. These are two teams that obviously are thinking about the idea of making a deep January playoff run. Cowboys smoked, and I mean smoked the New England Patriots last week. The Niners have done nothing but win since Brock Purdy has taken over. This line opened up, Mr. Raheem Palmer, at two and a half. It is now settling in at three and a half. I expect. The betting public, this is just my two cents, to be all over San Francisco, who, remember, beat the Dallas Cowboys. Similar line. I think it was in the three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half range going back to the divisional round last year. Cowboys, terrific defensively. Couldn't do enough on offense. Dak Prescott was brutal in the game. Mr. Dream, you are our Cowboy guy. Will be different this time around. So I had the Cowboys in that game, and I felt like the Cowboys had every opportunity to win that game. And one thing that we've seen from Brock Purdy throughout his career is that he can throw some interceptable passes. I mean, you look at pro football focus, his turnover-worthy play rate is nearly 4%, and somehow he just gets away with murder. Now, last week he did carve up the Arizona Cardinals. He was 20 of 21 for 283 yards and a touchdown. But this is a much steeper task against this Cowboys team. And I had the Cowboys in that playoffs divisional series. I think I'm going to take them again here just because when you look at this Cowboys team, they're 30th in red zone efficiency. However, they've won three games by 20 points or more. So what happens when that red zone efficiency regresses in a positive direction? And we said before the year, the Cowboys were one of the top teams in the league. Do we do? truly believe that this Cowboys team is going to be 30th in red zone efficiency all year. I just think they put some pressure on the 49ers here. I'm not crazy about taking this, but at three and a half, 
with most of these games landing on three, I think these two teams are equally matched. So you give me the three and a half with the Dallas Cowboys, and I think they have a chance to cover and possibly win this game outright. JJ, I want to see if Dream yells at me. The first thing I did when I saw three and a half was buy down to the three. I, I went because it was it, it was at three and a half pretty early. I saw I, there's no way I'm playing three and a half, but three, oh, three San Francisco by three at home against Dallas. And, you know, what I think about is the X's and the O's, the coaching matchup that has uh, transpired in these in these two playoff matchups. And it feels like there's a sizable advantage for San Francisco. So the notion of San Francisco laying three at home, now I have it at, at, at minus 125. So I'm, I'm paying, you know, above the, the, the usual price to get that number that I want. And, you know, Dream's point, look, this, uh, this Dallas offense has been super efficient across the board. They're, they're excellent at yards per drive numbers. They're excellent in series success numbers. They have a top 10 unit uh, by EPA in rush and, and, and success rate. And, you know, they're, 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 they, they look good. But the Niners defense has been very effective in shutting down the Dallas offense the two previous years. They just don't give up anything over the top. And the 49ers at home, and this is why I just wanted to get to the three, they won 12 of their last 17 home games. When they win at home, it, it, it they're oh, it's 12 of 17 by 15 or more points. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, they're 15 and two against the spread uh, over a 17 game uh, run that they've been on. Um, and they have nine straight covers, including playoff games at home. It's a home trend for San Francisco. So for me, it's home laying the three. That's the way I prefer to play it. Okay. Everything you mentioned about the coaching staff is fair. This scares me. And this is why it's probably not going to be one of my strongest leans of the week. There is a major mismatch, in my opinion, between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McCarthy. I am a big Kyle Shanahan guy. Now, I want to give McCarthy credit for the way the Cowboys have performed in the regular season. I think there's something to that in the regular season. Uh, but we've seen in these head-to-head matchups, it's not gone the Cowboys' way. Niners won in Dallas a few years ago. The Niners won a close one at home last year. But if you're making me pick the game, which is what we do here on East Coast Bias, I would take the Cowboys three and a hook. I would. I'm going to go with that defense. I think it's a revenge game on so many different fronts, on so many different levels. Dak Prescott's been hearing how he can't beat the Niners for forever. Uh, I'm going to say he finds a way to get it done. I actually think not only would I take the three and a half, I think if the game's close, Dallas finds a way to win. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just like sipping Cowboy Kool-Aid if they were the only team that was good to me last week. But Raheem, I think there's value in your Cowboys. I really do. Yeah, and one thing I want to add is that Kyle Shanahan as a, as a as a favorite, it's just 20, 37 and one, 47%. And, you know, that's not significant, but that tells you that the market tends to overprice him as a favorite where he performs a lot better as a dog. Um, so, I mean, that that's one thing that stands out to me. So I do think the Cowboys are live here. We'll see what happens. Hopefully you're right, JJ. There are a couple of rat lines, guys, that I want to get to. And one of them, I've already bet it. The line has actually moved in my favor, so I got a better number, so I feel that much better about it. House, that would be Kansas City and Minnesota. This line stinks. I can't stress this enough. I would have thought six and a half. I would have thought seven. 
I grabbed five. FanDuel, as we speak, it's at four. That line stinks. And I'm on the Vikings. Full disclosure. And I know there's not much reason and there's not much justification for it. But you're telling me Kansas City only is a four-point favorite against that putrid Viking defense and Kirk Cousins? That game has nutty written all over it. I think it's going to be 38-35. And I think the Chiefs probably win a close. But I'm grabbing the four, buddy. Yeah, I, I don't have any argument with that. It is like in my notes I'm looking at here in, in big, bold. What the hell is going on with this line? I literally, what the hell is going on? Five and a half and now it's four. And I, I took a quick scan of the injury reports to see if somebody prominent, you know, was was reported out for the Chiefs. I, I don't see anything at, at the moment. Um, I don't want to have anything to do with a, a line like this where the market is behaving in this manner that I can't, you know, put my thumb on. I love the over. The over uh, Vikings at, at home are, are terrific. 11 of the last 15 Vikings home games go over. The Vikings lead the league in 20 or, or yard or more passing plays, but they're 31st in their opponent completion percentage. So we'll see the Chiefs maybe, you know, try and get some some uh, stuff working with their receivers, I from the Chiefs' perspective, I think this is another opportunity for them, the way they took advantage of that Chicago secondary to come in here and like really try to build up some of that, that chemistry. Uh, and I love the idea of them going up and down the field. The line's nuts. I want nothing to do with it, Dream. What's going on here? Well, when I look at my power ratings, I have this game Chiefs minus six. So, um the market is, uh, is is saying otherwise with this line being at four. Um, the one thing I, I do understand is this is the Chiefs' second straight road game. And when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, they realistically could be undefeated right now if it weren't for turnovers. And we all know turnovers aren't necessarily predictive. This is a team who is minus nine in turnover differential. Like, that's second worst in the league. So when I look at this Vikings team, it almost feels like they've underperformed how, like, with how good they are. So I can understand why this number is coming down. Me personally, I don't want to bet on their regression because if Kirk Cousins turns the ball over, then this could be a, a blowout. So I refuse to bet on that regression, but I think the best play for this game is the over. You got at 52 and a half, you got two offenses who can score. So that's where I'd be looking. Raheem, there's another one that catches my eye. Also in the four o'clock window. Why has the Eagle-Ram game moved down two points? Philly, as dominant as any team in the league, I know they barely survived against the C-Words, but offensive line, stout. Defensive line, stout. They haven't lost a game yet this year. The Rams have been eh, two and two, mediocre, so-so, whatever you want to call it. Line goes from six and a half to four and a half. You want to explain that one to me? Take a wild guess on where the Eagles rank defensively in terms of EPA per play. Not good. I'm going to say 17th. Close. They are 19th in EPA per play on defense. So we all know that they have a stout defensive line. And when I looked at this game on the surface, I see a defensive line which should be able to dominate in the trenches against the Rams. However, their passing defense hasn't been great at all. You saw Sam Howell. He was throwing all over the field. So a lot of people and a lot of sharps within the market are looking at 
this as a smash spot for the Rams, who should be able to pass all over this Eagles defense and keep things close. And one thing that we saw from the Eagles last year, the Eagles were great. However, they didn't really play too many great teams. One of the best teams that they played was the Detroit Lions team. So they got by on an easy schedule. So you got Sean McVay. You got Matthew Stafford. This is one of their better opponents in the last two years. And we really haven't seen Jalen Hurts have to play in a negative game script where he's chasing points. So a lot of people feel like the Rams, Matthew Stafford, are going to be able to score in this matchup. And they're a lot of underdogs. So I don't necessarily agree because I, I just I waste so so much in terms of that offensive and defensive line. But I can see why this number is moving in the direction it has. Yeah, there are some trends that support the idea of the Rams. They're six and one against the spread in their last seven games as a home dog. And that makes sense with McVay. To me, there are too many question marks. We watched Matthew Stafford barely able to walk at the end of that game in Indianapolis. And a hip isn't something that you can recover from qu- quickly. I don't, I don't think, but you know, uh, there, w- there is some question yet whether or not Stafford will, will a hundred percent, you know, come out and play Cooper cup could return. Maybe it'll be in a limited kind of capacity. The thing that gives me pause in terms of going ahead and, and and leaning into the dog here with the Rams catching the points is we just watched Cincinnati and the Rams. Now that was on the road, but but Monday night football and Cincinnati dominated the trenches, both sides uh, of the ball. And it just starved the life out of the Rams. And, and, you know, I know there was an injury on the offensive line for the Rams and really the game turned um, as that injury uh, occurred. But, you know, I, 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 um, don't really have a strong feeling for either one of these teams. I do think that the Eagles should be able to run the ball against this Rams defense. They're 26th in defensive DVOA, 29th against the run. It's Aaron Donald and uh, well, you know, a, a, a bunch of cousins. You know, like, I, I don't know, you know, <laughs> on on defense, on the run defense especially. And the Eagles do want to run the ball because it sets up their um, you know, boomer bust passing attack, which is what it's been so far. They haven't really established an efficient short game passing attack akin to last year. And that's why some of Jalen Hurts efficiency numbers don't look good. It's been boomer bust. Um, But if they are able to establish with that superior offensive line, the run, then I think the Eagles could have an easy day of it. But I just don't think I'm going to step in. You know, another caveat that people may not recognize is that the Rams played Indianapolis Colts last last week. Who was their offensive coordinator? Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen. So the Rams are going to be prepared for that Eagles offense, knowing what they faced last week. So they're running similar offenses. So that is an advantage for the Rams. Fellas, when we return, Thursday Night Football, it's near and dear to one of our panelists' hearts. And the commanders, Spunky, justifiably a massive favorite in this game? Eh, Not so sure about that. We'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Thursday night football time. 
Miles, I'm starting with you. It's your team. It's near and dear to your heart. The 0-4 Bears, six-point dogs at the Commanders. The Commanders who were very spunky in Philadelphia. They're 2-2 two and two on the year. How's, how are they? La- I know the Bears suck, and the Bears are miserable, and I don't like Justin Fields, and the coach is a loser, and the defense stinks. I just can't lay six points in this spot, buddy. I can't do it. I'm not going to ask you to do it, JJ. This game scares me to death. I really, 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 really was praying for the Bears to take care of the Broncos on Sunday. Then I would have felt very comfortable about the C-Words in this position. It's a tough, tough spot now for the C-Words. This very short turnaround week after an overtime game. Coach Ron messed this up. The right way to do that thing, both in terms of best chance to win against the Eagles, but also to protect your squad with a game right around the corner is to not get back out there for a whole bunch of minutes in overtime. You got to think short term and long term. Come on, coach. Let's get the boys in a position here to do something. Now, look, there is nothing in the numbers that supports the idea of taking the Bears and, you know, there is uh, some stuff out there. Um, Dreams Boy, uh, Cleve TA has this. There's been 24 instances where a team has had to play on Thursday night football after a Sunday overtime game and their opponent didn't play in, in an overtime game. Those teams are three and 21 against the spread since 2000. I don't want anything to do with it. I just want my home team on the national stage with the new ownership. Everybody's going to be showing out. Just take care of business. Just win the game. That'll be fine. It's the only thing Washington wants or needs, a 3-2 and two record at this stage of the season. We would be very happy. Okay, so I don't really want to take a side. Um, these two teams played last year. Commanders won 12-7. And Ugh. yeah, Ugh. It was, weeks, I think it was week eight last year on Thursday Night Football. It was a pretty ugly game. Um, actually bet the commander's first half. Um, and I bet it's pretty big. How did they decide, by the way, to make this a Thursday night football game back to back years? Can can somebody explain that one to me? Well, what were we thinking, genius schedule makers? Come on now. I mean, Thursday night football is historically ugly and they expect it to be ugly again. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm expecting some points. I think the total 44 and a half, it's really, really too low. Anytime you have the Bears in a game, you have the worst defense in the league. How can this total be this low? So I'm going over. When we come back to wrap up East Coast Bias, we will leave you with some parting gifts. A best bet. Week five. Been in the lab a little bit. We'll be in the lab a little bit more as we move closer to Sunday. But, you know, we like giving you an early present going into your weekend. That's coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. All right, boys, before we say goodbye... Week five, early best bet. 
And of course, we'll have you covered Sunday. Ringer Wise guys, Raheem, House, yours truly, Cousin Sal will be ready to rock. I'll have my glow on from South Florida, which I'm very much looking forward to. Raheem, I'll start with you. Best bet that you have lined up already for week five. So I haven't bet much right now. And I'm going to be honest with you. I see a rat line. I think I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I haven't played this yet. I'm still going to wait a little bit. But you got like 70, 80% of the public all over the Arizona Cardinals this week. And that line is all the way down to minus three. We know Joe Burrow isn't the same quarterback. But how low can you go? You heard ludicrous. So that's a line I'm looking at because I may find myself on the Cincinnati Bengals just holding my nose and just playing it, just to fade the public and just to fade the the current public perception of the Cincinnati Bengals right now. I'm on it. I'm with it. House, best bet. <laughs> of course, you know I like to get exotic. I um, am going to play a teaser here. Uh, it's it's Thursday. I'm, it's this, I'm not making a huge investment in this, but I like the idea of grabbing Houston, who's sitting there at plus two at Atlanta. Now, Atlanta is a tale of two teams. They play very differently on the road than they do at home. That's definitely true of Desmond Ritter. But I like the idea of grabbing um, the Texans, who've really impressed us. By far the best quarterback in this game between the Falcons and the Texans is C.J. Stroud. I can tease them up from two to eight. And then... I'm I'm good. I'm a sucker for it. We've said a lot of bad things about Zach Wilson and the New York Jets offense this season. The Denver Broncos are favored by one and a half points. I'm going to put six on top for the Jets. It's the worst defense in the NFL, possibly the worst defense, you know, in the last 20 years. Let me go ahead and get Zach Wilson and the New York Jets up to over seven points, a seven and a half point dog as the second leg of this teaser. Denver Broncos, they might win, but they aren't beating anybody by more than one score, gentlemen. Fair enough. Uh, For my best bet, I'm taking the Broncos. This line tells you all you need to know about the game. The Jets look competent. The Jets played well against the big bad Chiefs. That's the perception everybody has after watching Sunday Night Football. Oh, maybe Zach Wilson has found it. Or maybe he's not so bad. Maybe the Jets can go and make some noise. Yet the odds makers were very willing to go and install the Jets as underdogs against, to your point, House, the worst defense that we've seen in quite a while. Raheem, I can't believe I'm doing it. This might be the only time I do it. I love the Broncos this week. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, and I actually thought about making this my pick as well, but I knew you liked it, so I stayed away. Um, it, it just, to me, Zach Wilson last week, we were talking about, you know, trade, uh, like trading for anybody to get this guy out of here. And now everybody Stone wants Trevor to back the Jets. Forget about trading for someone. People in New York were talking about Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle, Raheem. Tim Boyle. Yeah, like, so it's like now he plays one good game against the Kansas City Chiefs which, mind you, he fumbled the ball away. So now he has to go on the road after the best performance of his life, and everybody's giving him this moral victory. I, I, the one thing that we know that the Broncos can do is they can score. So I'm with you, JJ. Uh, House, I hope your tea sets. But I only need the Broncos to go and win by one and a half points. So we can both we split be winners. the baby. I will say this. The best unit amongst these two teams is the Jets' defense. And we saw I'll that agree. Jets' defense really 
you know, click in uh, properly against the Chiefs. They they gave the Chiefs all they could handle. But for sure, we could both be winners on this one, fellas. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Speaking of winners, we'll have a bunch, fingers crossed, coming your way on Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern on FanDuel TV. It is the week five edition of Ring of Wise Guys, House, Raheem, JJ, and Cousin Sal. Uh, I got off to a roaring start. I have come crashing back down to earth these last two weeks. So hopefully week five is going to treat me kindly. Want to thank the Wargon Warrior. Great job as always. We'll be back next week. We got our NBA Eastern Conference preview. We have all sorts of NFL stuff to get to as well. Boys are out. Enjoy your Friday. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 100-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.